2: You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com, and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to
3: foodfmradio.com.
4: Hello. Welcome to A Slice of Cheese, the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. Blessed are the cheesemongers. A good cheese shop is a really wonderful way into the world of cheese. This week, on A Slice of Cheese, I talked to cheesemongers Miranda Bub-Humphreys of Neal's Yard Dairy, Andy Swinscoe of The Courtyard Dairy, Anne Saxelby of Saxelby's Cheese in New York City, Sue Cloak of Cheese at Lidenhall, Fran Ward of the new cheese market, Cheesewick, and the online cheese retailer, Edward Hancock of Cheese Geek.
3: Online, on smart speakers,
2: and on Listen Again. this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com, and specialist food retailers.
4: This morning, on a slice of cheese. We're looking at cheese shops, and they're such an important sort of portal, really, for people to discover cheeses. I'm very happy to have with me today Miranda Bub Humphreys from Neil's Yard Dairy. Good morning, Miranda. Morning, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Well, I really wanted to have Neals Yard Dairy. On the show because funny enough, it has been mentioned in so many different ways over the episodes that I've been making. Um, by Mentioned by cheesemakers, you know, like Johnny Crickmore from Friend Farm Dairy, who came to New Zealand Dairy for advice, mentioned by cheesemakers in America, who came over to Britain and made contact with New Zealand Dairy, got introduced to cheesemakers, learnt a lot. So sort of massive influence. I mean, it's an incredible shop and it was founded in 1979 by Randolph Hodgson. And actually, Neil's Yard area is my own personal introduction to the wonderful world of rich cheese. So I'm very personally grateful for it because I, I was working in a bookshop around, around the corner and I in those days, it really was in Neil's Yard in this tiny tucked away courtyard. And I, would, I sort of discovered it. and It's hard to imagine, but Covent Garden in those days was not chock-a-block full of shops and restaurants and hotels. It was pretty desolate and there were a few shops <laughs> (laughs) And it was a really nice sort of character for the independent shops, of which Neil's Yard Dairy absolutely is one. And I made my way and sort of saw these cheeses and and it was a real introduction.
5: So I love hearing stories about Neil's Yard back in the day. Uh, We recently, one of our neighbours, Anya, who lives in Neil's Yard, came round with these wonderful old photos. And you could see how tiny it was and jam-packed with cheese and milk. And it it was incredible how progressive it looked, like serving... Things from big bowls and just out in the open, very stripped back, which seems to have come back into trend. Or maybe it never was in trend, but it's in well, trend now, and it was back it in the. It isn't. Yes, it was very pioneering in many ways, you know, which is really fascinating. I
4: mean, I think that, and I've. Been lucky enough to sort of to know Randolph, um, you know, because I've been a food writer for so long, and I worked on a borough market newsletter, um, and with you know, and got to know Randolph then as well, um, a long time ago. And he's an amazing man. And he, what strikes me about Randolph is he's so, you know, he's very down to earth, isn't he, and very direct. And I think that really seemed to influence the sort of the feel of Neil's Yard Dairy shops, But also very democratic, which one of the things I love about your shops is that pre-COVID, everyone who walked in was always offered a, a cheese tasting.
5: Yes. Yeah, we really missed that. And hopefully we'll get back to it soon. Um, offering a sample to a customer on the way in is just a way to try and put them at ease. Because I think shopping in that kind of style can be quite intimidating. And I certainly never shopped at Specialist Cheese Shops before working at Neil's Yard Dairy. So I think, you know, we forget having worked here for so long that it's quite a difficult way to shop. It's it's really different from a supermarket where you buy things and set weights. And then at Niels Yard Dairy, you can have any weight you like and and you can try all these different things. So I think it's a nice way just to make the customer realise we're in this together, we're here to help you and we want you to have a really positive, enjoyable experience.
4: Yeah, it's a very I talked to Chris George, his gift for a London cookbook, and he's and I said, Oh do you get Told off to eat the food, and he said, "No, I get told off if I don't eat the cheese. So you've got to always, you know, you've always got to taste it." I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it, that you've got your, you know, because these farmhouse cheeses that New Zealand dairy are selling are they vary so much? Even you know, just the same maker, you know, it will vary. Batch to batch will vary went it? and because yeah. of
5: you know all the factors like weather and climate and feed and, Absolutely. and time of year. But yeah, even the same batch once it's been cut open for a few days, it's going to be tasting different from when we first cut it. So the tasting never stops. Always tasting. <laughs> Wonderful. And so and tell me about how Neils Yard Dairy works. Because I think the one
1: thing
4: things I wanted to get across is that Zealand Dairy uh, is it's a, a bit like an iceberg. The shops are the tip of the picture, aren't they? And then you have there's a lot of work behind scenes and in other bits of the business, you've got your maturing arches. You also have these relation these very strong relationships begun by Randolph and fostered over the years by by Jason Hines and Bromwyn and David Lockwood. Um, so, so that's very, that also was very important to me that the cheesemakers are absolutely people to Yard Dairy.
5: Yeah, they're all all part of the family. And actually that's something we're really looking forward to in the shops is getting the cheesemakers back in and having that relationship. So we've got so many new cheesemongers who have never met Joe Schneider of Stitchelton or um, Tim Jones of Poacher, which seems just incredible to me because that's just so much part of the day-to-day rhythm of working at Neil's Dairy is the producer, whether or not they're sending down a jar of marmalade with their delivery, or they're popping by just to say, hello, or we're going out to the farms. It's a really nice community to be in. And I think that's actually really important in the shops that we know where it comes from, know how much work's been put into the cheese and that we're representing the cheesemaker well. And I think once you've met the cheesemaker, you really want to showcase their cheese and you think. You know, this isn't just something that's appeared magically from a factory. This is a, a family and their livelihood, and it's my job to represent that. That's beautifully put. Yes, I totally agree. I often, I've been carried away with that sort of, <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, the
4: sense of the people. And, have, you know, having been lucky enough to write about um, British cheese lot over the years and yeah and always struck you know by the work you know um that goes into making cheese but also very struck by the work that a good cheesemonger does and one bit of it i wanted to ask you about is the these visits to fund the grading which you know where neil's yard dairy of you're choosing your cheeses aren't you that you sell you're working with the cheesemakers and choosing the cheeses that you will then sell in the shops how does that work
5: well it's quite mind-boggling really and my taste buds perhaps aren't quite refined enough to really fully appreciate it but at least have some insight from going along on selection trips so um we would visit the farms some of them monthly some of them quarterly and taste through all of their batches um that they produced since we last visited and then so we taste them on the iron so that's for people who don't know inserting a kind of metal, what would you call it, a tube? A probe, yeah, it's a bit like a tube. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, which sounds very (laughs) sci-fi, but um, it's just a way to get a bit of the cheese from the centre so Mm -hmm. you can really taste what's going on. And we have a grading system. Everyone's is slightly different. There might be A++, A-, or it might be on a scale of one to five. And we'll write um, tasting notes. And it might be that we'll arrive at a farm And say, we need 12 batches, or we might arrive at a farm and say, we're really looking for cheese that needs to go to America. So it needs a certain profile, or Mm -hmm. particularly with blue cheese, it needs to be very stable. If it's traveling all the way to America, it needs to be firm and not crack. So there's all sorts of things that you might be thinking of. Um, But then what's really difficult is you're thinking, well, this is what the cheese tastes like now, but what's it going to taste like in three, six, nine months, or when it's cut on a counter? So you really have to have this gift of foresight, which um, Bronwyn, for example, really Bronwyn has. Percival, yes, she's your cheese buyer, which I
4: just explained here. Yes, yes, it's quite remarkable. And I have been lucky enough to visit to visit. We um, visited the cheddar makers. We went to Jamie Montgomery's. With Bronner and I watched with that utter fascination as she and Jamie were <laughs> t- and making decisions based on on their ability to to understand what was going to happen to the cheese in the future. And I was like, "Wow, what, what magic is this? It
1: was, yeah.
5: It's pretty impressive, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting having selected a batch at a farm. And then sort of forgetting all about it, and then six months realising, oh, here it is on the counter. Ooh, <laughs> I, I was right. Or, yeah, yeah. or that's not quite how I expected it to turn out. So, I mean, th- that's the thing about cheese, is there's so much to learn, isn't there? I mean, this is the sort of, I'm, you know, I mean, how long have you worked with Niels Dairy, Miranda? Well, I've just had my seven year anniversary last week, so my cheese anniversary, maybe. Congrats. But, uh, Did you have a cheesecake? <laughs> I, I didn't. I should have done, maybe for 10. I'll do yes, that. Like save it for ten. Yes, yeah. but I mean, so I guess I mean, is
4: one of the things you know. Why are you enjoying working with cheese so much? What what is it about it that's sort of hooking
5: you in? Then, um, well, I think fundamentally, I'm I'm greedy. <laughs> I love <laughs> eating cheese, which is uh, really a necessity of the job. But I, I think I love the cheese. I love the craft aspect that goes with the cheese, and I love eating cheese. Um, but for me, my favorite part of it is the social aspect. So selling cheese over a retail counter. And then finding out how this person wants to eat the cheese, what they're pairing it with. Maybe it's a family occasion. Maybe they want to appeal to a mixed crowd so they have to get something just right. That's what I love about it is it's a kind of social tool. And Mm. it's something that people really get excited about and celebrate.
4: Yes, yes. I mean, it's a lovely, uh, it's a sort of leisurely, it's not going in and going I mean, some people obviously do know that they just want that, but actually often it's just so much more a, a chance to explore. If You know, you go in and you say, oh, what's, well, you know, what's that like today? Or I'm thinking this, and am not sure what I'm in the mood for, have you got any advice? And, you know, and then hopefully the cheese will say to you, oh, you know, loving this, try this, or have you had this? And and then you go off on this little trip, which is great fun. And I what's really striking about Anís dairy, who for so long just had the... The two shops, the original one in Covent Garden, and then a much bigger one at Borough Market, which introduced its the cheeses to a you know a very big audience as, as the market sort of grew and grew. And then what was very exciting is that in in a lockdown pandemic year, you've opened a third shop. And Miranda, you were very <laughs> instrumental in this, weren't you? So this is your your Islington shop on on Essex Road.
5: Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, we're in the heart of Islington, opposite amazing fishmonger Steve Hat. And Butcher's James Elliot, um, and also next to a taxidermist shop, which doesn't fit with the food theme, but it's interesting nevertheless. Well, it's a local landmark, so everyone knows where you are if you say I'm next to yeah. the taxidermist. Like, oh yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. No very no, funny. no stuffed cows yeah. in the window or or goats yet. Um, I don't know <laughs> I don't know quite how that would that would go down. How would that go? And yeah,
4: how, so what was it like? I mean, you know, very challenging times last year in so many ways. So what was it like? Was it exciting to have a new shop project to work on and to get it up and running?
5: Yeah, absolutely. It really was. I think so much of retailing and lockdown has been, it it feels like we're in the starting gate, not able to really get out and do what we want to do um, because everything has to be quite restricted. We're very sensitive about our customers' safety and perhaps their, their feelings of safety within the shop. So there's so much sort of logistics going on in your mind and then have a big exciting project that's sort of forward looking where you're imagining a time when we can go back to whatever normal will be. was really exciting. And to be in this new space, which for people who haven't visited, used to be a gallery. So it's very clean lines, very sort of fresh, light space. Um, it's quite exciting. high, isn't it? It's got it's
4: got. It does feel very spacious. It's very tall apart from anything else, isn't it? When you go in, you've got a lot of headspace above you.
5: Yeah, and what's different to our is from our Islington shop to our other shops is that there aren't cheeses on the wall. So the reason our other shops have cheese shelves and cheese maturing there nicely is because we used to not have the room in our maturing facilities to age cheeses out. So the shops were practically maturing facilities. So mm. It gave this really nice feeling when you see people turning or rubbing or working with the cheeses and we actually made a conscious decision in the islington shop not to do that because logistically it's a bit tricky and we we weren't sure that the environment would be ideal for maturing cheeses but also we just liked that feeling that it was quite clean quite bright and that the counter of cheese would really be the center and we could showcase the cheeses nicely there. And what sort of reception
4: has it had from people, the arrival of a cheese
5: shop in a neighborhood? Has it gone down well? Oh yeah. People mainly say about time,
2: which is a nice,
5: (laughs) nice feeling. Lots of the customers there have shopped with us before. um, So in that sense, it's been quite easy, but it's um, nice to meet new customers and reach new audiences And it's amazing even within a city where we already have a presence there are pockets and communities who've never never heard of Nilshad Dairy and they're getting an introduction to us on their doorstep I mean yes I mean London is so huge and so vast that you know people can can just not know about you know if it's
4: in another bit of London they don't go to why would they ever you know they wouldn't come across it Mm. so yeah wonderful and so how do you then if someone comes in who doesn't know what they want are you having to use your vocabulary instead to sort of entice them to try stuff or to explain what's on offer?
5: Yes, and it's very difficult. Um, we will taste everything before the shop opens or in a quiet moment. And we taste with the customers in mind. And we're really thinking about what, how we would explain that cheese to someone. So we've had to strip our language back a bit because if someone's never had a cheese, they don't want to know if there's notes of hazelnut or elements of this or that really you need to know hard or soft creamy or strong and just having a kind of dichotomy really helps the customer narrow it down and then you can build in a bit more of the complexities mm-hmm. and i think what's useful is to ask the customer have you shopped with us before and if not what cheeses do you, do you like and it doesn't matter where they've bought them it can be supermarket cheeses or cheeses from another specialist shop then we can kind of find a comparison and maybe say to them, do you want to play it safe or go out of your comfort zone? Um, so we're sort of guiding people a lot. And it's a, a really different style. And we've learned a lot from doing it. But it doesn't beat the old, have a taste of this.
4: Yeah, that was always, it was funny. And that's I think that's what brought home to me was visiting Neal's Dairy, you know, as a customer. And and knowing that I really loved Jimmy Montgomery's cheddar and always asking for it. But then saying, "But I was always offered tastings or would you want to try the other cheddars? I think, oh, you know, why not? And then it was so interesting because then you think, oh, actually, you know, this, or, you know, Lincolnshire, I think, oh, I'm really loving the Lincolnshire poacher, mm. you know, and I want that instead. That That's that's what I want, you know. Um, yeah, it was that lovely sort of process of, of discovery and, and having your horizons broadened in a very I mean, through tasting, you can't really beat
5: it. No, but having said that, I think customers have tasted out of their comfort zone because they're much more reliant on us. So we have this real uh, position of power and privilege um, that we can guide customers a lot more. Um, So in a way, that's been nice because if we love something and we're recommending it, a customer is more likely to choose it because they don't have anything else to compare it to. So we have had some cases where customers have returned to us and said, "Oh, I've never, never tried that. I've shopped with you for ten years, and I always buy Applebee's Cheshire. Mm. But you, you told me to try the Winsley Dell and it was great." So yeah, it's it's been in the other way. And also, I guess, guessing,
4: Miranda, it must be very exciting. You, you mentioned the new, your new staff, but it's their new cheeses, aren't they, coming onto your counter? Or you know, big, I mean, you said I don't know how many cheeses you regularly carry. What's your in the shops?
2: Actually, it varies from shop
4: to shop, does it?
5: Yeah, it does a bit, but it's around 40 in the shops. A few years ago, well, maybe about five years ago now, we made quite a conscious effort to reduce the selection that we offered in retail just to keep the quality better. So Mm. we found that if we had a really big variety, we weren't selling through everything fast enough. So things would dry out and maybe we weren't selling them at their peak. So we stripped everything back but with the idea that we'd rotate cheeses through the shops a little more so customers will come in and they might not always be able to get their favorite cheddar but it's okay because when that cheddar's really singing and is and is great we'll we'll bring it back in
4: ah oh, was going to say i mean what's so exciting is that their new Cheese is appearing, aren't there? Because people are making, you know, new cheesemakers are saying up business. And in fact, we talked to Martin Tuchols, who you all know oh, well right. because yeah. You know, yeah, because he used to manage the Borough Market shop, and he's now making Pevensey cheese, a blue cheese, which is really delicious. Um, and he makes it on a small scale. Yeah, so impressive because not you know hard, hard cheese to make. Um, but it's just that sort of lovely excitement, isn't it? That you this this is sort of you know I have witnessed this rise of sort of the British cheese scene over the the years and years that I've been writing,
5: uh, but it's still carrying on, which is sort of really lovely, a lovely feeling. Lovely to be part yeah. of that, I think. Yeah, Martin's Cheese is doing really well, Pevensey Blue. Um, customers, particularly in Islington, love it. Um, and then we've had new cheeses from Martin Gott, who makes cheese with sheep and goats milk. Um, and that some of those have been good because we're still sort of trialing them, getting a bit of customer feedback. That's always quite nice. Yeah, he's, yes, he's got his new, the, the goat's are a relatively recent arrival, aren't they? And so
4: he's sort of, in a very Martin way, he's experimenting with lots of different things and different, yeah, so fascinating. I keep seeing new cheeses by Martin. Oh, I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> <So> it's like, <laughs> Another me too. One.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, Miranda, that was so lovely. Thank you for coming
5: on the show. It was a real, real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be able to talk to you without masks in the shop. Yes, it's a joy <laughs> instead. Yeah. Yes. Take care then, Miranda. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jenny. Bye.
3: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again,
2: this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com, and specialist food retailers.
4: This week on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at cheesemongers. I'm very happy to have with me a cheesemonger I admire enormously, actually. Andy Swinsco from the Courtyard Dairy. Andy and his wife, Kathy, set up the Courtyard Dairy some years ago, and they're just doing really interesting work. Good morning, Andy. Morning, Jenny. Yeah, so tell me, when did you set up the Courtyard Dairy?
0: Yeah, 2012 is when we decided to kind of make the jump from uh, working for the cheesemongers to kind of going in our own little boots. And it was a bit of a scary time, but we thought, well, we'll do it. Let's go for it.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
4: And um, so... You know, that is a great big operation. Where, where did you end up finding premises then?
0: Yeah, it took us a long time. So we looked, uh, I mean, initially, I've we, we always worked with traditional farm cheese, and that's what we wanted to do, and that's what we want to champion. And in, in, even as little as, you know, what was it, nine or ten years ago, in terms of real quality cheesemongers in the UK, there was there was barely a handful. There was some, you know, some of the little food retailers here which had good little cheese offerings, but in terms of quality cheesemongers, and, uh, and and we wanted to come back north, so we looked somewhere to mm-hmm. set up back in the north, and there wasn't really where, anywhere where we could kind of find, so we had this idea of, I was always told many years ago when I worked for a cheesemonger in France, that you look for a market that's got a fishmonger on it, because a fishmonger shows that somebody's selling fresh fish regularly. You know, you, with a bread or a yes. butcher's, they've still got food interest, but it's not rolling out all the time. Fishmongers can't hide behind old stock, you know. And That's if you've so got a busy true. fishmongers, yeah. yeah, it's true. You've got a busy fishmongers, then you've got people around there who are interested in cheese, um, yeah. or interested in food, should I say? Yeah. And so we looked for. We had this, all these things that we were looking at in terms of. We wanted to come back north to be close to our families, to kind of start a family for ourselves, really, and just settle down to that kind of next stage of your life. Um, and so we looked all over to put the plot shop. Really, we were looking for fishmongers. We were looking for people who are interested in food. We, were looking, we had all these lovely tick boxes on what would make a perfect location for a shop. And we spent a long time looking and um, we could barely tick any of them. So in the end, we, um, in the end we, we managed to find a little wine shop on the outskirts of Settle, which had been selling uh, natural wine, you know, since 2009. And, and in those days, 2009, selling in the middle of Yorkshire just natural wines was kind of a yes. very uh, eccentric thing to do. Yeah, yeah pretty radical. Yeah. It's, even now, yeah. he's probably the only one who's exclusively that in, in, in this area, really. And so we decided to set up next to him and just to see how it went, really. Um, we did a bit of market research and I looked into whether it would work and basically all our market research said it, it wouldn't work and you know we talked to people locally and they said that there was no kind of demand for this there was no kind of affluent population locally there was no people weren't interested in food but we felt like we had a great product and we felt like if we could get it into people's mouths and they could invest in us as a family one of the things mm. about our community is it did have lots of shops still and it had a local mm. community and we felt like they could invest in us and Cathy and then taste the product, then actually, if we built it, they, they would come, was kind of our yep. our opinion. The market researched it. well, just to hell with it, we thought, we'll just kind of open. And we were lucky that we got a very short lease and it was relatively low risk and a very small shop that we set up on. Uh, but yeah, that was it really, so we made the jump, then and decided to open a cheese shop and just kind of stay true to our ethos, traditional and farm-made.
4: And so, you were, just, so you, weren't, you were stuck in just British cheeses then? Is that right? In
0: those days, I mean, it's funny now you look at it, but in those days what we decided to do was we, we had this ethos we wanted to tick and we still have it to this day and we analyse every single cheese. And the most important thing is flavour. It do not matter if it's made by some farmer half of a mountain with one cow that he milks whether he's got one leg and <laughs> stores that milk in a wooden combine. And, you know, it, it doesn't yep. matter if the cheese doesn't taste good. You know, so the sure. first box you've got to tick is taste because that's what gets people coming back. You've got to be cut above. Yeah. and Otherwise, because the supermarkets are brilliant, you know, and most other shops are brilliant, you know, because they're so convenient and they're so easy and the parking's easy and everything's there. Mm, so actually. to get people to come out to a cheesemonger, you've got to be better. So the first stop yeah. is taste. I mean, the first stop for us is always service, but when we're talking about when we're looking at cheeses, yeah. um, sure. taste is so important. So we look at that. And then we looked at uh, the next stage we would look for is t- traditional cheese making techniques for us and then we look at farmhouse so people are making a farm level and then mm-hmm. we look at raw milk that's what we these are all tick boxes they work down in priority and then yeah. we look at farming techniques so if possible you know sustainable ethical traditional native breeds yeah and, and then we look at locality so locality a uh, distance away from us is an important factor but it's not as important we would rather support somebody like a Tiva who's on the side of a hillside, who's got 20 cows, only mixing the summer off alpine herbs, old-fashioned breed of cow, making over a log fire, an ancient recipe, than an industrial farm two miles away. You know, so oh. that's just that's just where we sit in. That's what we like. That's what we believe in. But if we could get all those boxes and they were two miles away, then all the better. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what we did. So and when we set up nine, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, what we didn't realize was, um, well, we did realize that there, there, there wasn't just that range. So when it came to breed, for example, there wasn't a god. When it came to hard cheese, local hard cheese, there was no traditional Wednesdaydale style. You know, when it came to goat's cheese, there was Dorstone being made, but there wasn't the Cynodon Hills, the Hebden goats, Mm. you know, the Black Mounts, all this whole range of little lactic goat's cheeses that are being made today. So because I had spent a long time training in France, done an apprenticeship in cheese maturing for Mons, we decided that we would do British where we could, but if it wasn't good enough and it didn't carry our ethos, then we would source in content. So in those days, those early days, we were about 40% French and 60 percent british but all cheeses that we knew that we visited uh, and we felt confident about
4: and obviously so now it's evolved so what what is it now then andy what's your it's
0: evolved yeah we're very lucky that we you know i think that you stick your head above a parapet as we did in this area and said look this is what we're doing and we're not going to change um and so that, that, that was difficult initially but with time you know local farmers who you know we've got a lot of small 50 60 cow dairy farms still in this area started to diversify and other people look to it and the cheese industry is still slowly moving forward organically it means that mm. with time there's more and more good british cheeses that are farmed in the way that we like that are made in the way that we like so with time we've evolved our range and we're now mainly british um, um in fact even when we moved to our current location uh, just north of settle um we we didn't even have certain cheeses from the locality but now we have i can think of a raw milk wensdale a raw milk like almost like tom-esque Winsdale made in Nidderdale that we didn't have four or five years ago, you know. So we've got more and more local and more and more British, but that's just because the opportunity has come and we've helped farmers yeah. set up and we've helped them down that route. So, yeah, so we're, we're well, proud that's what that, I'm, really. i
4: would, yes, that. Yes, well, that's really brilliant. That's one of the reasons I really admire what you do, Andy. I mean, so you have been very instrumental in sharing your cheese knowledge and encouraging farmers. I mean, in fact, you're on this programme talking about the Hebden Gates story, which is very much where you, you helped create that cheese, didn't you? And But so that must be very... That bit of your job must be very satisfying for you, working with farmers and tweaking recipes. And even other
0: cheesemongers, I just think life's too short, my personal opinion. I sell to my local community, and yeah, we do a little bit online and a little bit of wholesale, but I just want there to be a really great cheese community in the UK and really great cheese being sold. So if anybody comes to me and they've got their their heads screwed on and I think they're going to be dedicated, whether it be a cheesemonger or a farmer, I'm going to try and help them as much as possible because you know knowledge is one of those things that we as a human race we have the ability to pass on and there's no point in me bottling it all up so i can make an extra 10 pounds maybe over my lifetime i know i want <laughs> to have a better industry that we can that we can have a more stronger industry so that in 20 years more people are eating this style of cheese more people are aware of it and to do that we need good cheesemongers but we also need good cheesemakers so uh, yeah mm. I'm, I'm more than happy to help farmers diversify and, and yeah it's something that i do really enjoy about my job
4: so, in fact, that, could you tell us about this the, the Winsleydale? Because that's an interesting example, really, of a cheese that the long history in Yorkshire became very sort of industrialised, the production. And now there's been this really lovely sort of movement of people making farmhouse versions of it.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it, it changed its nature over the last 70, 80 years just because of the way that the, the, the world wars affected it. And then the way mm. that, I mean, Opert Halls, they have the big creamery where they do an absolutely fantastic job. You know, they keep 200 jobs going and 40 farms. Um, but what what we found was that in this region, every farm used to make Wensdale cheese, and they would have all been different, and they would have all been exciting, and it, mm. and wasn't it something that we should try and promote, you know, from this area, is that there were all these Dales cheeses that had died out, and so we had these old-fashioned Wensdale recipes, and and when one farm that was in Loonsdale, actually, so another dale, just a bit further north than Wensdale, um came to us and said we, we need to diversify and go into cheese making because we're not making money from our milk, you know, we um, gave him this recipe and said, look, we'll help you with that, and then we also very Other helpful people like Graham Kirkham were involved in helping them how they dealt with their starter cultures, and you know, and had uh, dairy as well. We got them involved, and then they helped them a lot more. And we started to evolve their, their farm, took this Dale's recipe and involved it in one way. And the next thing you know, another farm two years later comes along, and we gave them the same recipe because it was something traditional to the region. But because they have different mm. equipment, and they have different cows, and different pasture, it evolved in a completely different way. And then finally, we had a farm actually in Wenserdale itself. So we got a farm in Nidderdale, a farm in Loonsdale, and a farm in Wenserdale which um, probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but you know, there's a lot of Dales up here. And um, they all evolve slightly, they all have slightly different pasture, they all have slightly different terrain and slightly different ways of working. And now there's a farm in Wensdale who've taken that recipe again and and evolved it to their own little thing. And it's really nice because we stock all three. And I think for me, that's a true reflection that you can come into our shop. We are in the north of England. People come visit this area of the world and taste three cheeses that are made locally, that are made by little farms that we've encouraged with the same recipe, but they've evolved because of their nature, of their farm and their techniques. We've got three very distinctly different cheeses. And I actually think the sales of all three have increased as we've had more variety within that category. So you can kind of talk about it more and and, and showcase it as, as this is a product to this region, but these are all slightly different. And different people prefer different ones, but that's the kind of advantage of it. Yeah, so it's been nice to go on that oh, journey oh, within this region.
4: Yeah, you know? very satisfying. I mean, I was, I was interested to talk to you, Andy, about how I think, I think people realise that, you know, different cheesemongers have got different styles in it. So when you're picking, let's say, Graham Kirkham's Lancashire cheese, you're looking for your own, so in a way, flavour profile, aren't you? And then, and that might be different from what another cheesemonger wants from
0: Kirkham's Lancashire.
4: That's true, isn't it? So in a way, that, it's that whole, yeah. that sort of endless variety of cheese. So if you're interested exactly. in cheese, so yeah.
0: A lot of, quite a, a, a few cheesemongers grade, um, so they'll go to the farm and they'll taste what they, taste what they want. So the majority of cheese, because cheese will vary every single day, and you know, and it vary on the pasture and vary on the temperature. Shouldn't, hopefully, vary too much, but it will vary. So, most cheese will just be sold on its general name, but certain cheesemongers will make the effort to grade and taste and select what they like and cherry pick that out. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, as you said, different people prefer different things. And, and that's not, I think it's really important as a cheesemonger, you don't grade to your taste because everybody is slightly different, you know, and everybody is kind of. We want a range of cheeses, and if you're not careful, you can go into some cheese shops, and you can tell what type of cheese that person who owns the cheese shop likes, because <laughs> they obviously everything tastes the same. If that makes sense, yes. uh, which yes. is nice. And but we like sharper, yeah. crumbly ones. We like softer, buttery ones. We like strong, dry cheddars. We like nutty cheddars. And it's important yeah. for us to curate a little range of cheeses so that we can a build a cheese board for somebody, but b we can. Um, help introduce people to different flavors and styles, and and you know, and take them along that journey. So it's not about this cheese should be like that. It's kind of so we have a style for curcums that we like in our shop, which is quite soft and buttery, uh, and, and and quite what we call a heavy cheese if we can, but light and fluffy if we can. But we'd rather it wet than really dry and sharp and acid. Um, mm. But other areas of other cheese like it quite dry and sharp. And they like that sharp flavor. But right. that's just kind of what our what my profile is, and my customers' profile has then become, um, yeah. uh, and and people have got used to in this area. And so, yeah, so it's a nice thing that different cheesemongers will look for different things, but it's got to fit it within the range. So we do have things that are sharp and crumbly for for people who like that style of cheese. I think that's important. Um, Well, in fact,
4: let's get back. I was wondering what you said about, which I so agree when you talked about the importance of flavor, it's got to taste good. That's the great, you know, for a food that does cost money and people are gonna put their hands in their pocket, but you know, it's worth it, isn't it? And that's that really interesting thing of converting people who, how do you convert someone who's never who hasn't tried a farmhouse version of a cheese yeah. and is was that done would you have done that through tasting how did you do it? was it talking to your customers yeah you i think to, tasting
0: yeah. is very important but you've got to break down the barrier so i think the, the main thing for me i think a lot of emphasis now is put on cheese cheese taste cheese quality farming techniques but actually the the main emphasis to get it to, to get people farmhouse cheese to people's mouths for me is service and when mm. people come through that door, you've got to break down that barrier and make them feel really ease that they want to taste stuff, and they're not going to be put on the stop, you know. Mm. And for me, it's that breaking down that barrier when they come to the shop, and you go, and you give them a fabulous greeting, uh, and you just chat to them, and then you give them a couple of tasters, you know, and give them some different stuff, and don't give them a cheese and expect them to comment on it. We just chuck cheese at them for a little few minutes, and they, <laughs> you know, then they can taste mm. some different ranges. And then it's uh, I always tell my staff and I tell my customers that I don't care whether the customer likes it or not because I'll find something they like. So don't yeah. give them a piece of cheese and expect them to like it because if they don't like it, that's totally fine. I don't really yeah. care. We'll find something you do like, you know, and that's the point, yeah. you know. So yeah. it's not about giving you a piece of kirkham. Oh, you don't like that? Oh, well, you're not. This isn't the shot for you, you know. And that's not the way yes. that we roll. It's if you don't like that, have a yeah. bit of this. If you don't like that, have a bit of this. Right, which of them did you yes. prefer? What do you normally like, you know, and then yeah. we can kind of navigate a route with them. And that's so it's that initial service and then breaking it down and then not pressurizing the customer at all, just kind of giving them kind of a few tasters and guiding them from there, really. Um, and we're very lucky that we have a really skilled team of cheesemongers who can do that.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's so, these really, I mean, a good cheesemonger is such a wonderful way to, you know, you can learn so much by talking to a good cheesemonger, which is why I've been asking cheesemongers to come on this show, you know, and I just think they play such an important part. You know, you are, you know, you're the way that someone who likes cheese can learn about cheese, basically. So, um, yeah, very important. And so, it has, yeah. so, and it's also been a very tough, t- you know, pandemic, Andy, am I you, you know, with the lockdowns your sales must have gone on you know online rather than the shop
0: yeah the pandemic a a lot of our sales went online and that provided other challenges because when we opened our shop our remit was to do stuff that we cheesemakers that we visited and cheeses that we believed in and that's quite easy when somebody comes to the door because if you haven't got what they know or what they like uh, then it doesn't matter because they're gonna have a taste and they're gonna have to listen to me talk about it you know whereas (laughs) um whereas online there's it's very hard to get that social interaction across you know and as much as I love online retail. It's not where my heart is because, and so the pandemic has, online has saved us, but it it, it provides its own challenges, isn't it? How do you sell Hebden goat, which nobody's ever tasted, which is more expensive than the other goat cheeses we do? Um, You can put a video on there. You can write as much as you want to write, but Mm. it's much easier when people come in the shop because you can just give them a taste.
1: You know, yeah it. and you can and tell actually, about
0: yes you
4: know? it's and i taste it I mean, it's such a great cheese it's got so much flavor so yeah, yeah. so you, you must be really nice for you that life is what returned a bit more to normal and customers are coming back into the yeah. shop now
0: yeah, yeah. And, and you know I'm a, I'm a big believer in me i, I always find it interesting after the pandemic you know, everybody was all the food magazines mm-hmm. and everything was like those like online is a future whereas i don't think not for me it isn't you know for me the future is a physical shop where people come through the door and we talk to them you know, that's the, what I want to capture from food experience. It is part of the experience as much as a restaurant should be. Um, and we are the link to the farmer, and we're the link to providing people with a nice range of cheeses. Um, and I think that's where our future lies, is doing more retail and, and trying to get more cheese into people's mouths who potentially haven't tried this type of cheese before.
4: Well, essentially, I talked to Matteo Keeler, just been, yeah. and he said, it was such a thing, he sort of said, you know, every person who, if you convert someone to artisan cheese, especially industrialised cheese, that's a win for all of you, you know, for the whole... It's that sort of thing of actually being a, about real, I, he's, I think he used the phrase, real cheese. You convert somebody yeah. to real cheese, and that's a win for everyone <laughs> So, with, in that real cheese world, you know, rather than being in competition with each other, what you're in competition with is is sort of mass produced cheese. I mean, that's how he, how he saw it. And I, I thought it was an interesting point, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look, I look at my staff and we employ 15 people. And before we started um, employing them, only three of them used to shop with us and only three of them used to buy quality cheese. You know mm-hmm. and so there's 12 people who work for me who would just buy from a supermarket uh, readily admit there'd be cathedral city buyers and there's nothing wrong with that cheese but you know now i don't think that any of them would ever go back to that style of cheese you know because they've got used to it they've tasted it they've met the people and and I think that's it, isn't it? You get it into that, the, and they also get cheese allowance, which uh, which always helps, but, you know. <laughs> like but they, um, is, yeah. but but yeah, but also they, um I think they get used to it. You get you you like that style, and you realise the diversity of flavours that are out there. My dad hates me because my dad's a proper Yorkshireman, and he would always only buy, you know, the, the proper advocate of price. Um, but now he says he can't buy cheap cheese because it just doesn't taste the way he wants it to taste, <laughs> and it's really wound him up. So it's um, <laughs> that's, that's so, hilarious.
4: I love yes. that.
0: Yeah. So, so it's um, yeah. So I think that is about getting. This so cheap he's
4: reluctantly out. buying good cheese then. Yeah, reluctantly buying my yeah. cheese because because yeah, he can't because he can't get the uh,
0: the flavour he wants. But there you go. Um, I think that's but, yeah. a
4: real vindication, isn't it? So yeah. yeah, no, that's brilliant. Listen, Andy, that's it was. Thank you so much because I know how busy you are. It's really wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you, Andy. Take care Anytime. then. And regards to Cathy. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I'm a huge fan of Peter's Yard's crackers, and they go beautifully with cheese. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Visit petersyard.com forward slash shop. Enter the code cheese at the checkout to receive 25% off your first order
3: online on smart speakers and on listen again
2: this is food fm savor the crunch of peter's yard sourdough crackers available at waitrose sainsbury's ocado amazon petersyard.com and specialist food retailers
4: before we go on exploring the world of cheese here's news of another food fm program that i think you'd really enjoy
2: Thank you, Jenny. Well, I'm David, the host of The Drinking Hour here on Food FM. Each week we explore the wonderful world of wine, spirits and beer. All things that make wonderful pairings with cheese, of course. We hear from those for whom making drinks is a passion. So after your cheese course, how about you join me for a few drinks? You can find The Drinking Hour with David Kermode on your usual podcast platform and at foodfmradio.com. Now it's back to Jenny and a slice of cheese.
4: Absolutely thrilled to have with me this week on a slice of cheese Anne Saxelby, all the way from New York City. Anne is the co founder of Saxelby's Cheesemongers. Hello Anne. Hello. Thank you for joining us. That's so so nice of you actually. So Anne, I was wondering what started you off on your quest to become a to set up a cheese shop and become a cheesemonger.
1: It was kind of a, an unlikely Journey. Um, I feel like probably many of us in the cheese industry, we don't, uh, you know, wake up uh, one day and decide to <laughs> sell cheese or go to cheese school or anything <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> I originally moved to New York to go to art school and, um, and that, and that really was the thing that opened me up to incredible food was just living in New York city. Um, mm. and, uh, and particularly, you know, there was a great, um, cheese shop, not far from, uh, from one of my college dormitories and, uh, and so visiting there. And then really it was, it was a trip to, to Italy. Um, when I was still in college that I would say really, I, I truly first, I first tasted truly good cheese. Um, mm. I went to, uh, to Florence to visit a friend who was studying there and she took me to the Central Market in Florence uh, and- San Lorenzo I used to live in Florence actually so you're making oh. me nostalgic <laughs> yeah oh, yeah that must have been yeah. a
4: revelation, actually. I can really understand that. Yeah.
1: It really was, yeah. I had grown up in the suburbs of Chicago, you know, and, and you know, big supermarkets, et cetera. You know, the fancy cheese was the sliced white American cheese that we got from the deli counter as opposed to, you know, the prepackaged craft slices. And um, and so you can imagine when I tasted cheese, um, you know, in Italy, pecorino mm. and all that, I said, oh, my God, wait, what? This is cheese? <laughs> this is incredible. Um, and so that really kind of um, sparked my curiosity. So when I... Um, when, uh, you know, I came back to New York, um, I, you know, loved visiting different cheese shops. And when I graduated, of course, uh, from school, being an art student, there were zero job opportunities um, kind yes. of coming my way. And so I thought, you know what? I really love food. I love cheese. I love wine. Let me try both. And so I worked at a cheese shop and a wine shop for a bit. And then and I had also secured an internship at a small dairy farm in Connecticut, a farm called Cato Corner Farm. Um, but they didn't need me until the fall. So I worked at these uh, other businesses um, for the summer and I decided that cheese people were nicer than wine people. So I scratched the wine part off the list. (laughs) And and then when I went to live on this small dairy farm in Connecticut, I truly just fell head over heels in love. And the thing um, about cheese making that Really, I loved the most was well, of course, the flavor, but um, the fact that there was unlike the art world, there was no uh, b s factor when it came to making cheese. I felt ah. like in the contemporary art world, yes. you could kind of walk into a gallery and say i don 't know is this brilliant, or is someone pulling the wool over my eyes you know but <laughs> with cheese there's none of that it 's like you really have to do everything in the proper way, and you 're going to taste the integrity you know of that mm. product and so The immediacy, the accessibility, um, because it's not that dissimilar. You know, with art, you start with a blank canvas and you wind up with a painting. With cheese, you start with milk. You wind up with a wheel of cheese. But like I said, with cheese, there's just this kind of um, immediacy and and kind of accessibility. Everyone with taste buds can participate and will have a good time. Um, And in Italy, that's
4: very much part of that culture. It's such a rich food culture where everyone... Knows good food, you know, it's very, yeah, really rich. I love that. I love that analogy. That's fantastic.
1: So, so but the, and that was my first kind of exposure to American artisan cheese was working at that small farm. Um, and I thought, oh, my God, here are these people who have just really taught themselves, literally reinvented the wheel of how to make cheese because that culture just doesn't didn't really exist here in the United States, especially um, kind of in the 80s and the 90s. And I thought, well, I wonder if there is anybody else doing this. And so I started traveling around and visiting other small farms and cheesemakers um, throughout the Northeast, um, you know, kind of in my spare time, basically volunteering to work for free <laughs> at mm-hmm. a day in a creamery for anyone who was willing to have me. And through that uh, kind of process, I managed to, you know, start to know some other cheesemakers. And it's a pretty small world. So, uh, you know, over time I had I had visited a bunch of different shops, or a bunch of, I'm sorry, I visited a bunch of different farms, and um, and I thought, you know, there are so many shops in New York City that are kind of dedicated to, you know, kind of gourmet foods in quotation marks, like the whole gambit, whether, you know, European imports, and olive oil, and vinegar, and chocolate, and this and that. I said, you know what, I really just want to focus on cheese, and I want to focus on these American artisans, because uh, at that time, nobody was, was doing that. That's a wonderful vision. So so when did you set up Saxeby's Cheesemongers? Uh, we opened in May of 2006. So we're celebrating our 15th anniversary this year, which is pretty exciting. Congratulations. That's a wonderful achievement.
4: I mean, the reason we're talking about Cheesemongers on this show, Anne, is that for me, I think they're so important because they... A good cheesemonger is sort of allows you know someone who doesn't know about cheese to learn about cheese. And for me, my own journey um, was very much through Neil's Yard Dairy. But when I was a bookseller before I was a writer, I would go there and start and sort of start asking and eating and buying and and, it, and it, you know it, it is like a portal <laughs> to a world of cheese. So that's wonderful thing. So that's what you've done then by setting up Saxby's. You were sort of championing the, these American artisan cheeses.
1: Yeah, and I totally share your um, your opinion that cheese a good cheesemonger is kind of you know a storyteller, an educator, you know, kind of a, a cheese Sherpa, you know, on your <laughs> on your cheese journey to just kind of help guide you in the right direction. Um, and that was always my intention with Saxelby cheesemongers. I thought you know here's this food that is so fascinating and so delicious, and people really want to know about it but it can be kind of intimidating um a bit like wine you know it's like you Mm. might feel silly if you don't know the right questions to ask or if you don't even know what you like or where to begin and so our approach was always you know to bring people in to educate as much as we could about the products and the producers um and just make it very not intimidating and kind of um you know, fun for everyone to yeah. come to the shop. So that's always been our, our mission.
4: Brilliant. A phrase that's come up a lot on the program, talking to people, I've always had a lot of cheesemongers on the whole series, as well as cheesemakers, because I do feel they're so important. A phrase that often comes up is getting a piece of cheese into someone's mouth or a piece of good cheese. It's like, you know, the power of tasting, isn't it? Is that something that you've used in your in your shop to sort of convert people
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yes, we we uh, getting uh, having someone taste that first piece of cheese is always the most important moment. And and actually, in fact, when people would come up to the counter and maybe look a little bashful or kind of like they didn't know, you know, maybe exactly what they were looking for, they were just kind of taking a look. I'd say, well, listen here, ha- have a taste of this while you're while you're looking around. And uh, I would give them a little sample of something. And all of a sudden, you know, that would spark a conversation. And, and, and all of a sudden, something that was kind of intimidating was like, okay, well, this piece of cheese is like this. And I might like this or I might not like it. But here's, uh, you know, in contrast, here's what I'm looking for or mm. something like that. So I feel like having that first piece of cheese is kind of the first step on like a cheese your own adventure journey where you say, okay, well, this one's firm, but I like a softer one, or this one's goaty, but maybe I like a cow. And from there, you can kind of start to narrow it down for people. And over
4: the years, that, you know, if you're pioneering uh, American artisan cheeses in a, you know, in a feed scene that hadn't done that before, were, were your customers receptive to the idea that of, oh, there are wonderful cheeses in America. You don't have to go to Europe. There are these great cheeses on my doorstep.
1: Did that get a response? Definitely did. Yes. And I feel like it was an interesting moment in time for me to have opened um, the shop with that particular focus, because in 2006, um, Michael Pollan's book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, uh, came out, which was a very... A I feel like book. Uh, yeah, yeah, a really wonderful book, and kind of really um, made people think more about what they were eating and where it came from, and why and how, and kind of all the pieces of that puzzle. There were also um, some, you know, documentaries um, that had come out like Super Size Me and Food Inc. and other things. So mm. I feel like there was a kind of public consciousness about food and knowing your producer and where your food comes from that hadn't really been there before. And it just so happened to coincide with kind of you know what I wanted to do with cheese, but so I feel like people were very receptive to um, you know supporting a small business. Um, that was about supporting other small businesses you know and kind of uh, mm. the farmers and the cheesemakers. and uh, it would always be fun to see, especially when um, you know foreign tourists would come to the market and we would you know give them a taste of cheese and say, "Oh oh, was this from France or is this from you know wherever and they like <laughs> oh no it's from it's from vermont it's from right here and, and people would just be so incredulous you know um,
4: yeah that's so interesting. it's funny because when I have Italian friends visit London. I always used to take them to Neil's Yard Dairy and get them to try, because they were very sceptical there could be any good food in, in England. And um, I'd be like, no, <laughs> try this piece of Jamie Montgomery's cheddar. And then it was like, oh, ah, it's very good. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And I was wondering, Anne, uh, you know, so if, you've, if you're now in your 15th year, have you seen, has there been a rise of sort of cheese making in America? Are more and more people starting to make artisan cheese, farmstead cheese, I think it's called in the States?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like there, there definitely is more um, good cheese available in the United States all the time. I, I think that I always liken it to what happened with American wine or American craft beer. I feel like American wine really started to have, uh, you know, a moment maybe in like the seventies and come into Mm. its own kind of late seventies and eighties. And then there was this craft beer movement um, that really started in the eighties. And now, you know, there's like, I think five breweries within like two blocks of where we are here in Brooklyn (laughs) right now. Um, And then, and cheese is kind of following that same trajectory. So we definitely are seeing um, many more cheesemakers um but with the caveat that it's it's a little bit harder to i feel like the the bar to entry for a cheesemaker is different from that of say a brewer where um, you know, as my friend Zoe from Jasper Hill Farm likes to say, brewers turn water into money and cheesemakers turn milk into problems.
4: <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant phrase. I love that. Yeah. It's That's so, so true good. because it's I mean, yeah, cheese making is, is hard, isn't it? I mean it's not you can't just sort of snap your fingers and do it. It it takes a lot of time to to produce good cheese. So It yeah. takes
1: a lot of time and, and, and kind of equipment, um, and and just kind of, you know, and, and just, yeah, trial and error to, to get it right. And then with the kind of increased food security regulations around um, the Food Safety Modernization Act here in the United States, and things like that, I think that that's kind of, um, you know, it's made it slightly more difficult to get into the game. Whereas I think there was a real explosion of growth in artisan cheese making in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And now mm-hmm. we're still seeing growth, but I feel like it's 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 the exuberance has been somewhat tempered by the reality of how hard cheese making is, and um you know, both technically and to make a living doing it, and then with kind of these added regulatory um things. I think that's also making the industry kind of safer and more mature. You know, I think the industry is really growing up um, because of that as well.
4: I was interested in sort of, do you see different styles with American cheeses? Because, you know, we're, but the impression I get, and we, we did an episode on American cheeses because I wanted to touch on it. I get the impression there's, you know, there's a sort of creativity because, you know, in a way it's a new cheese world, isn't it? And so you can do things, but you can look to Europe for inspiration, but you might play around with it. Is that, is that what you see when you when you look at American cheeses?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's a real, a real freedom and a real creativity here that is, that is really fun. And I should, I should point out too, because of course you're in, um, you know, you're in England and, and Neil's yard dairy was kind of your, uh, one of your formative cheese experiences. Um, it's because of Places like Niels Yard Dairy or Affineurs like Erbemans um, in France, um, who have really opened their arms to American cheesemakers and welcomed them and 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 helped them to learn more about um, you know making cheese, aging cheese, um, all along the line. Um, those partnerships have been so valuable, just in kind of um, you know raising the bar for quality and cheesemaking here, overall. Mm. But that said, yeah, it's like people really kind of you know pick and choose different elements of maybe different European cheeses and and tie them together. For example, Harbison is a great cheese from Jasper Hill Farm in Vermont, and that's a bark-wrapped cheese similar to uh, maybe a Vacheron Mondor, mm-hmm. but the rind is treated differently. A, a rind oh. of a Vacheron d'Or is, is washed, and so there's kind of this rosy hue to it, and it tends to be <sighs> slightly nutty and, and a little bit more pungent, um, whereas the rind of Harbison is a bloomy rind, um, more similar oh. to brie or camembert. And um, that interaction of that rind with the bark wrap creates an entirely different kind of flavor trajectory. So um, that's just one fun example that comes to my head. You that's know, right. lovely.
4: Yes, it sounds absolutely delicious. And how interesting! I don't think I've seen a cheese like that. That's I've always seen washed rind with the spruce wrap, spruce, you know, wrapped around it. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, that's so nice that you that you paid tribute to to, this, to people like Mons and to Niels Yarderi, um, who've been on my shows too, because that's one of the things I really love about this world of, of good cheese or artisan cheese or whatever you want to call it, is there does seem a real sort of camaraderie among people in the, in the real cheese world. I mean, a, a generosity, actually, which I really find very wonderful to see.
1: It's true. And, and it's it's just it's incredible because I think a lot of industries are not like that. Um, there's a mentality in the cheese world of kind of a rising tide floats all boats and people are really generous with their time and information. And as a whole, that that really helps uh, the industry, because let's face it, at the end of the day, there are all of the producers who we love, you know, whether they're in Britain or here are small scale producers And uh, and so there's room for everybody, you know, and if everyone's cheese is better then the consumer and all the cheese lovers are going to be the ones who benefit.
4: Wonderful. Well, and thank you so much. Next time I come. To New York City, I will definitely come and visit your shop. But that was was really kind of you to take the time to talk to us. Thank you, Anne.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for doing what you do and getting more uh you know cheese information out there. <laughs> I'm loving it. All right, thank you, Anne take care.
3: Online, on smart speakers, and on listen again. This is Food FN.
2: Savor the Crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, ocado Amazon, Petersyard.com. specialist food retailers
4: this week on a slice of cheese we're talking to cheesemongers i'm very happy to have with me today sue cloak director of cheese at leadenhall cheese and wine business in the city of london good morning sue
6: good morning jenny
4: now sue i wanted to ask you on this show because one of the things that people always want to know from cheesemongers is advice on how to put together a cheese board i'm guessing that's something you get asked for a lot in your line of work is that right
6: it it does come up quite a lot it does indeed Jenny
4: (laughs) so what are your bits given you've worked with cheese for so long you must have so many thoughts about this What, what are your your insights and advice
6: well yes it's quite an interesting question obviously because people will come into a cheese shop for lots of different reasons um for sure they are looking maybe to provide a cheese selection for a cheese board either on behalf of a guest or obviously on behalf of their own dinner party type of idea so i would normally ask first of all how many people are coming are there any uh, are there any preferences as such and if the general um answer is um you know people just love cheese let's sort of go for a nice selection uh Mm -hmm. we'll we would then be talking through kind of what to select so um Realistically, uh, I think it's quite it's sometimes quite nice also to know the kind of um, age of the people coming and and let's go for kind of a mixed age um, bracket really for the sake of a cheese board. Yeah. But um, I think if you're putting together a cheese board, um, you've just got to think about a a lovely variety of cheese, um, assuming that people, the guests and so on, the people you're providing cheese for, are looking for a variety, because everyone has got a very, very different palette. Mm. So uh, people will like soft cheeses, hard cheeses, blue cheeses. You might have some people preferring sheep or goat's milk. So the idea really is to come up with a selection of varied textures, flavours, milks, etc, etc. So that at the end of the day, you've basically got something for everyone
4: right that seems very practical yes that's quite that's a really good point isn't it i mean because cheese is so diverse i mean all these types of cheeses as you've just hinted at and then so then presumably you start guiding people down because i suppose what you don't want to have too many cheeses that are similar to each other then is that this is the point so the cheesemaker can then guide guide the customer and say well you know you could have this wonderful swiss gruyere but you know then alongside it something very different is that how you start you start unpicking it that way
6: i think yes it, it is it is a conversation it's not it's sometimes not a very quick thing to discuss i mean it, it, the more we know about what the cheese is going to be used for the, the more hopefully we can um provide the best sort of selection of cheese so i mean i think that the the um the first question i probably always ask is uh should we have a goat's cheese and some people say mm. oh yes we have a lot of people enjoying goat or you get no i don't like goat
1: it's a bit of a yes or no
6: question. Exactly. It's a bit of a, yes, exactly. yes. a yeah. yes or no yeah. question. Yeah. However, I do think people are missing out if they don't go for a goat's cheese because um, the UK uh, has got some amazing cheeses at the moment, which aren't particularly strong, which are mm. sometimes very sort of soft and creamy and actually delicious. And also, I suppose, for want of a better word, tick a box of that style of cheese as well. And I also think people sometimes get put off by uh goat's cheeses that they maybe had in the past because they can be very strong they can be very uh difficult to digest and very dry so i would maybe suggest something like a british goat's cheese something like a golden cross or a ragstone style Mm -hmm. um but there's lots of other sort of more delicate softer cheeses um that that would be nice to sort of introduce really so I'd always, always encourage people to maybe to have a goat's cheese because it they always, always look fantastic, different shapes and sizes. It's yes. just a completely different contour on a cheese board. And then maybe to go f- through, a, through a, more milks, I suppose. So um, I would also like to encourage people to try a sheep's milk cheese. Mm-hmm. So maybe not to go for a conventional hard manchego sort of style or a hard pecorino, but to maybe go for a maybe slightly sweeter, nuttier uh, something like an Osseo Arati from the Basque oh, region. Yeah. Big favourite of mine, to be honest. Um, World mm. Cheese Award winner. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's got a lovely, lovely texture. Really lovely flavour. It's not super strong. So it will suit people that don't want anything too overpowering from a strength point of view. But the texture is absolutely delicious.
4: That sounds good. And that is interesting. What about... Washed rind cheeses. How do they? Are they another marmite in the cheese? You know, for people because they've got the very strong smell, obviously.
6: They've got. I'd, I'd like to say aroma, Jennifer, please.
4: I came. Um, <laughs> okay, that's do, told me.
6: <laughs> <laughs> they do. They all washed cheeses, as you know, have a really, really strong aroma, which is the nature of the beast. Really, inside the cheese is quite soft and creamy, and to mm. some extent, as you say, it is a bit of a marmite thing, but. In actual fact, a lot of people really, really like washed rind cheeses. And I think to some extent, maybe see them as a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. So we might be looking at something like a Munster or a Laplace or a Stinking Bishop. It might not be everybody's go-to cheese, and it certainly would be a a cheese that you'd discuss, do you want this to be on the cheese board or not? Um, But again, you've got lots of choices and uh, we would certainly discuss, I think people who are buying cheeses would bring that up as a sort of we must have a such a such a cheese on the cheese board which is usually a sort of wash rind cheese
4: so obviously a lot of your customers i'm guessing have got you know really strong idea of what they want but also up for being introduced to new examples of that type Mm. of cheese which is rather fun then i mean that's the joy isn't it as someone who loves cheese myself this is what i sort of love is being led off on these journeys that you know when you visit a cheese shop
6: yes exactly well it is it is interesting at christmas we have a lot of people, for example, saying I'm, I'm going to do the cheese board and I want brie, stilton and cheddar. So that is the sort of the go to three cheeses. So when yeah. people then come for a selection of cheese, say, say during the year, then is the opportunity to sort of branch out onto different styles of cheese. So, you know, you you might you might suggest something like a harder cheese um, that maybe they is a little bit rarer, something like a Cornish Kern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which is a delightful cheese, uh, quite a small production made by Liner Valley uh, Dairy down in Cornwall. Uh, There's a little bit different and, and this mm. is a great opportunity to do it.
4: Yeah, that's a, yes, that's a very good point, isn't it? I mean, I think that's the sort of the fun thing is, you know, there are obviously hundreds of cheeses. So therefore you've got lots of scope. And super, it's interesting what you've been mentioning about the texture, because that's such an interesting point that you would also want a variety of textures on a on a cheese board as well as a variety of of milks let's say or types of cheese you basically Mm. you want those options don't you i suppose from you know they say many different subtle differences of textures within cheese
6: exactly exactly then you've got almost for people maybe again uh, the question would be do, do you like a strong blue or a milder blue again some people say no i never i never eat blue it's far too strong so we would probably suggest something like a montagnolo uh, which is much more subtle, a bit milder, a little bit creamier as a blue cheese. And that would then, you know, fall into that sort of category. Mm. Um, but yes, going back to the soft cheeses, so many varieties of soft cheeses and, you know, something like a Tunworth style or a Brie de style. Sometimes it's quite nice for the host to have a little bit of information about the cheeses. So most cheesemongers will have... A, a ticketing system when so when when people purchase something it will have a little bit of information available on each of the cheeses and i think that can be quite useful as well to to the host
4: yeah to explain i mean yeah exactly that's very true isn't it And so you know especially if you're going down the world of of different makers of you know, you know if you think of for example of cheddar but there are different cheddar makers and so you know so a montgomery cheddar would be very different from a you know westcombe cheddar and and it's yeah. worth knowing that, isn't it? Because if such people like it and they want to then, you know, if they eat something and then want to try it for themselves, they'd be good exactly. to they exactly. just say, Oh, I had a really good cheddar, that's like mm, that's <laughs> Which where was it? Which one was it? <laughs> so yes, yeah. exactly.
6: we obviously serve a lot of we serve a lot of cheese on our platters, either for tastings or part of a cheese course within the restaurant here. So we're we're always going to have a selection of say maybe five cheeses and they're all going to be a little bit different. There's no point in having a, a number of very hard territorial cheeses. The whole the whole range mm. that we have, if you like. So um, we're kind of used to presenting soft going up to a strong and then describing the cheeses as well so and i think that's the key that and then from that people say oh i haven't heard of that or that sounds interesting or that's not what i normally buy so the whole kind of thing i think with a cheese a cheesemonger that's got a a decent selection of cheese is introducing people that might not normally buy these cheeses so they can have a sort of taster before they buy to some extent Mm,
4: very good point and when you go out to restaurants you and you're given cheese boards or are, are they faults? you know what whatever what are the things that go wrong with the cheese board you know is, is it like in a way you know can you have too many cheeses on cheese board? it's a bit confusing or
6: i went to a restaurant quite recently and was presented um with a cheese selection as part of the dessert menu of course and uh, it was quite interesting the cheeses were local cheeses to this particular county and they looked in very good condition um, and the county produces quite a varied selection of textures and milks and so on. And um, I think the trick that was missed on this particular occasion was there were three cheeses only on the uh, plate. So, Mm -hmm. and it was going to be the three cheeses anyway. You didn't really have the choice, which is absolutely fine. The local cheeses and so on. The the point I felt they probably missed here was A, that the waiter didn't know what the cheeses were
5: and secondly, oh, yeah.
6: um, very simply, you could provide a little um, card just to say the whole point about the, the the point I'm making is that they were local cheeses and were promoted as local cheeses. So why not use the opportunity of having a little uh, sort of just a cheesy card almost that's got mm. um, the order of uh, tasting, which is yeah. so a recommended order of tasting. And then what the cheeses are, a little bit of history and story about the cheesemaker, where they're actually from in this particular county, and any other points of interest. And then, to some extent, the waiter then doesn't need to do anything but present the cheese in a nice way. And it was beautifully presented, and it was served with nice uh, biscuits and breads and, and so on. Um, but I think, you know, it's always nice when you've got, you know, so much about the dessert. You can clearly see what's in it. It's the, the ingredients are more or less on the, on the menu that when you get to the cheese that sort of thing is i think a missed opportunity and people love to know these sort of things i think mm. it's one of the reasons why people you know as they travel as we're all traveling around the uk much much more um the, the local food is becoming you know so much more yeah. important and exposed really so it's just i think that's a great opportunity to promote local local cheeses yes. really
4: I listen to what you said about a tasting order so what, what would your so is, is do you go from sort of mild to strong is is that the way you know if you are going to taste cheese on a cheese board is that how you um, would guide people through it
6: we'd probably guide it guide that way yes and also we do a lot of cheese and wine matchings here that's one of mm. our if you like uh point of differences if you're like, we've done we've done that for many many years and that's also what we're sort of known for really i think so i probably have a wines in mind when i'm putting together a cheese ball, but certainly. I think from a tasting perspective, you're just starting um, a platter with something that's going to kind of excite your palate, wake up your palate. Uh, so I'd probably go for something like maybe a little goat's cheese just to start off with. It's quite a zingy flavor, normally mm. quite a sort of lively flavor. Then maybe go with a slightly um, more, um, probably a creamier cheese, because cheese, I'm thinking maybe it will go with something like a, a Chardonnay or a Chenille Blanc type of wine. Um, goat would probably go with something like a Savignon blanc and then you're just looking to build up the flavor and texture so you're ending up probably with a fairly well flavored blue cheese normally
4: right yes Yeah, yeah that makes a good progression i've done chocolate Judging, and you have to be very careful about the order in which you're tasting. You know because you obviously have to start with the really delicate mild stuff because if you're going to eat, you know, a hundred (laughs) percent, you're going to be, you know, that's it. Your your taste buds are gone. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, really good. I mean, it's just you know, it's such fun. You know, cheese is just this wonderful food, isn't it? Because just the diversity. You know, listening to you talks to you and the range of cheeses that you're you've mentioned it just you know it is a joy is that what keeps it is this one of the things that you enjoy about your job this being able to guide people and sort of open up this world of of cheese to them in a way through the tastings and through the you know the guided tastings and boards you put together
6: uh, absolutely it's um it's obviously not a brand new idea to match cheese and wine obviously but it's something that we've always done we were going to always have a, a sort of a diverse selection of cheeses um usually small producers uh, using sort of farmhouse methods and pasteurized milk where possible and so on. So flavor being the key. Mm. And then matching our relatively small selection, but a selection of wines that have been selected for cheeses in a way. Mm. So yeah. rather than just a complete random selection of wine. So we do a ports and lots of ports and lots of wines. The other question sometimes gets asked, certainly when you're putting together a cheese board is what to serve with it. Um, yes. And uh, we have a range of, uh, obviously, savoury chutneys, mainly from the UK. And again, small um, farmhouse-produced um, chutneys and relishes. But we also do some sweet confits as well. So, for example, oh. the, the Osierati, uh which is this fairly delicate, slightly sweet, slightly nutty uh, sheep's cheese from the Basque region. They might serve that um, locally with a, a black cherry confit. So you've got the very sort of extreme flavors coming through but it actually works really nicely so i think the things like chutneys relishes confis, um uh, quince membrillo those sort of things work yes. really nicely with a lot of cheese and then you can build up other things around it so sort of maybe some tasty biscuits some nice breads um figs obviously grapes as a sort of a sort of standard things but it just builds up the whole course really so yeah you know i've probably do away with dessert really just straight for I, the cheese yeah,
4: that's the perfect <laughs> note that's advice from a cheesemonger for you mm. wonderful Listen, thank you that's been really lovely to talk to you thanks for coming on
6: the show thank you jenny for inviting me
3: online on smart speakers and on
2: listen again this is food fm savor the crunch of peter's yard sourdough crackers available at waitrose sainsbury's ocado amazon Petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. This week
4: on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at cheesemongers and people who sell cheese. So I'm very happy to have with me today, Fran Ward. Good morning, Fran.
7: Hello, Jenny. Nice to be here. Fran,
4: it's lovely to have you on the show because you've been very instrumental in setting up very excitingly a new cheese market in London called Cheesewick or Chiswick (laughs) Cheese Market, I suppose. Yes, it's it's both of
7: those. You're right, Jenny.
4: And tell me about that. What, what gave you the idea?
7: Well, we had the cookbook kitchen, which we set up, but then the pandemic came along. So we couldn't do our supper clubs anymore. And um, Chiswick had this um, place where you could have a market and there was a flower market taken and then an antiques. And we decided we wanted to do something with food, but we wanted just to make it quite specific instead of being a general foodie market. So um, Chiswick has a link with cheese, thus the name Cheeswick, that from the 11th to about the 18th century, they used to have an annual cheese market in Duke's Meadows down by the river.
4: Brilliant. I mean, that's a wonderful... Yeah, what a perfect connection then, isn't it? So so how exciting to actually bring... Bring cheese back to Chiswick then, basically.
7: Yes, exactly. And we just, between us, there's about 10 or 11 of us who sit on the committee. We're a a community um, interest company. So it's there for the locals and for the local businesses. And we just wanted to create something that was fantastic and full of superb cheeses, because that's what we really pride ourselves in, is that we curate the stalls. So we try not to let stalls double up on the same cheeses. We try and get really unusual cheeses, award-winning cheeses, cheeses of great quality and we also then have a few other stalls that sell cheese-associated accoutrements.
4: Accoutrements is a good word. live with the plomb there, Fran. <laughs> and so, I mean, <laughs> yes, I, I, did a, I did a programme on what goes with cheese. You're absolutely right because, of course, lots of things are you know do go beautifully with cheese. So it's nice to have them. If you're going to have a cheese market and have those lovely delicious things like pickles or chutneys or, or honey or whatever it
7: is. yeah. You well. is. We've got, yeah. also got some lovely cheese boards that we have because, you know, you need a nice platter to serve your cheese on, don't you? Um, and as you say, we've got honey. We have marmalade, which was led by you, Jenny, because you <laughs> sort of um, introduced the world to serving marmalade with cheese Good. and um, um, pickles and then crackers and bread and a few salad items, which is really nice. It sounds lovely. And
4: so... Obviously, a lot of you had to sort of what approach lots of cheese and trying trying to persuade people to join a new market is quite an endeavour because you know it's a gamble. They you know their time, their effort, you know to trudge all the way, and if people don't turn up, it's you know it's quite speculative, isn't it? Did you have were you not persuading basically?
7: Well, yes, and I I can't take the credit for that, I have to say. So Lucy Cufflin and Jules Kane took the credit for that. So they went to all the markets all over London and introduced themselves, told these um, cheese stalls, cheesemongers, cheesemakers what they were doing and said, would you come? And very quickly people started to come. So we did sell out for the first market, and then we all worked really, really hard marketing it. And I have to say to the first market, because of COVID, we were counting people in and out. We had five and a half thousand visitors, That's which incredible. was stunning.
4: Yeah. That is. And we and, should explain. Why don't you tell tell everyone when your market is?
7: Oh, so our market runs the third Sunday of every month. So it's only a monthly market and always the third Sunday. And it runs from um, 9.30 till three o'clock. And there is an abundance and a cornucopia of cheese. And I think in a few months we will extend and have more um, stalls because at the moment we have 22. But they are fantastic. And we have the kings of cheeses. We have people coming down from Scotland like um, Mel's Brothers. And Mm. they come down with a collection of about nine cheeses, which they believe um, will sell very well at the market um, so that's a real treat for us to have these beautifully selected cheeses.
4: I, yes, I had Rory Mellis on the, the programme, I talked to him, um, and it's very, it's a very good point actually because the cheeses that you know Mellis will sell in Scotland will be very different from what we can normally buy it down in London. So in fact a lovely chance, to, you know, it's interesting, cheeses are very local uh, despite being in the 21st century and it's lovely if there's somewhere that they can be
7: showcased in London, that sounds great. It is, and Rory and his brother are absolute charmers. And, you know, it, it's a long drive for them to come down from London with all their cheeses, but... People love them and people go back. And I have to say that the shoppers in Chiswick are just brilliant. There seems to be a very big French community as well. So they come out and Mm. they are in heaven just shopping for all their cheeses. Um, They know their cheeses. They love talking to the storeholders, the mongers or the makers. And they love having the cheeses cut freshly in front of them off big wheels of cheese. So that's a real treat, I think, as well. And
4: so it's not just British cheeses. You're, you're showcasing cheeses from around, you know, lots of wonderful cheeses in in other countries like France and Spain. They're they're all represented. Are they at the market?
7: They're all represented. We don't just do British cheeses. No, we're happy as long as the cheeses um, pass. Jules Kane runs all of that. Um, her testability um, and she likes them, then they're allowed to come and it's great. So you must
4: be sort of loving, is this a new, I'm sure you know about cheese from, but are you discovering lots as well through running the market?
7: Yeah, definitely, because I think in life you can always learn. And, you know, these people who set up these businesses, like I love, Feltham's Farm came last time, um, who make the award-winning um, Fresca Margarita, mm-hmm. And so just, learning t- talking to them about their cheeses they only make three cheeses but you know they only started six years ago and Amazing. i love that and i love talking to all the cheese makers and trying to say to them come on you've got to come to our market um, because it's great for your cheese and it's great for introducing people and um, talking about the wonders of your cheese and as you say the fragility of it and how important it is Support these small um, cheese makers.
4: Yes, you know by buying them, you you know by buying these cheeses, you you know, allow these makers to carry on, you know, in business. Um, yeah, really wonderful. How has the local community reacted? Sounds they've been embraced it then with enthusiasm.
7: I think they have because one thing we've done, Jenny, is we don't have any stalls where you can buy food that you can then walk down the street eating because we want them to go to the local eateries if they're making a day Very a
4: good. That's interesting. Um, That's quite a difference from a lot of markets, actually, isn't it? Yeah,
7: Yeah, and we were very, very um, certain about that from the word. So you come there to get your shopping,
4: mm. and then
7: you go and eat, or the other way round. So we want to, because we're a CIC, we do want to support Chiswick, and we do want to help Chiswick. And if we can make it a destination for people to come to, to come and buy cheese and have a you know lovely Sunday out... Um, that is too, superb and we're, we're thrilled for Chiswick and we're thrilled for the cheesemongers because lots of them have sold out when they've come before three o'clock. So we're saying, Wonderful. bring more cheese yeah. because yeah. that's how they are. well they are being received. And, you know, people are booking up for the next three markets because they love it. They say they take more at our market than they do at other markets. Um, so it's very exciting that it is just... Um, pointing on cheese and that's all we're serving, which is really nice and the things that go with cheese, as you say.
4: It sounds wonderful. I mean, you know, it's really interesting. Markets are are very important for food producers. You know, it's why farmers markets were very... Are very very useful and often cheesemakers would 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 mention them. You know, just go oh you know then the farmers' market came and I was able to, you know, get some revenue and try try flavors out and that whole thing of facing the public and getting feedback, literally feedback to what you to what you're making and try you know saying I've come up with this. What do you think of this? And and hearing and seeing whether it's going to go whether people will, you know, whether you will find a market for it. It's it's a really big bit of sustaining our food producers so
7: yeah and you know we're really excited because you know with the build-up to christmas and we're thrilled because we've got the 19th of december um will be our christmas market which um you know will be thrilling and we're we're hoping to get some really great cheesemakers along to celebrate with us and help fill um people's cheese boards um for their christmas feast
4: yeah, that, I mean that's the massive selling time, you know, December for cheese, just you know, Christmas and Easter for cheesemakers. These are, you know, like for a lot of businesses, they, they're really big times. So yeah, that is sort of serendipity, really. So, so when was your first market? Was just was it two or three
7: months ago? It just started on the sixteenth of May. That's when we launched, Brilliant. and so we are very useful. We're very ma- immature, <laughs> but we are maturing very quickly and being supported put. really really well um wow. and you know the, the the people that we are meeting are fantastic and so helpful so we're just all really growing so it's all about supporting these businesses helping these businesses with none of us get paid we do it all the love of just creating um, this environment and we all love food whether we are chefs or writers or creatives we come from different walks of life but our number one goal is we love food wonderful
4: it sounds brilliant well done Fran and I've you know and I haven't been able to come just because there's always been something on those Sundays but it's absolutely you know somewhere I want to come so I hope to see you there soon so thank you for coming make a big
7: noise when you come (laughs)
4: I will do that. All right. Lovely to talk to you, Fran. Thank you. Take care. Thank you
7: very much, Jenny. Bye-bye.
3: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again,
2: this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com and specialist food retailers.
4: Well, very happy to have with me today Edward Hancock, the cheese geek, you founded the website, The Cheese Geek.
8: Good morning, Edward. Good morning, Jenny. Thank you for having me.
4: Well, I really wanted to have you on this show because we're looking at this whole, whole business of cheesemongers and selling cheese. And you're... At sending cheese in a very interesting way in a, in a you know a new way in online business um, and I know you mm. switched careers you used to work in the world of finance and then you've you've moved over to the one world of cheese which I'm totally in favor uh-huh. of Were you was <laughs> the love of cheese you know you had a love of cheese before you made that move I'm guessing
8: yes I, I mean I I've, I've had a love of cheese pretty much since I was 11 or 12 I, I um, went to France with my parents and uh, I it was my first experience of, of fine dining, went to a nice restaurant in Ra, sort of champagne region. And, um, you know, I'd always been a classic, you know, dessert kind of guy and got to the end of the meal and this cheese trolley got wheeled over. And it was just, it was, I guess it's, it, it felt to me as it might have felt walking into Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Um, mm. It was just this incredible sort of onslaught of smells and shapes and sizes and colors. And, you know, some were being served with a spoon, some with a knife. And it was just magical. And I just thought, this is really what it's all about. How how have I not, how is there nothing like this? Or how have I not come across anything like this before? So I think that was the point. That was the moment where I swapped the, the chocolate souffle for the, or chocolate fondant for the cheese for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> and, and it probably sowed a seed that that kind of went away or got a bit suppressed, it uh, and I, like you said, I, I sort of went into finance and did the kind of sensible thing. Um, but it was it was always in there. And I think um, 20 odd years later, uh, it, it emerged. And I, and I think actually probably that's quite a tidy, links in tidily with the Cheese Geek, because really the Cheese Geek is me, yes. But it's, it's also the hidden Cheese Geek amongst everyone, because mm. I think we, most of us, many of us have that little cheesy seed inside them. It just needs coaxing out, and I guess that's really what it's all about, or what I've tried to create with the cheese geek. So that
4: how does the cheese geek, and what what were your, you know, online? In fact, you know, Mm. we will be talking to people who, who run shops, and you can, and that whole thing of, you know, you can taste the cheese then and there, you can see it. So you are selling cheese in a very different way. Tell me what 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 are the what are the things that it offers someone who wants who's interested in cheese, or how how do you, you know, yes, what's your inspiration for what you set
8: up? Yeah, so. Well, the the sort of I guess there is there was there was quite a few moments that led to I guess the final Eureka moment where I thought I've gotta do this. So I won't I won't go through all of them, but the I, I think the for me the starting point was when my local cheesemonger closed down. Um because suddenly I didn't have that kind of comfortable, easy, relaxed environment to walk into and know that it didn't matter how much or how little I knew. Uh, and I built that relationship, and it was really nice. So when that closed, suddenly I thought, oh gosh, you know, I need to find my cheese from elsewhere. And then I think a number of other things happened. But it, it reached the point where, for me, I thought it, it doesn't make sense that if you don't live near a cheesemonger, um, which most of us don't um, mm. in reality, you know, may, well, whether it's most or many, it's certainly many don't don't live near a cheesemonger. Um, how can it be that it's so difficult for them to get hold of? artisan cheese you know their only option really is a supermarket so for me that was the key starting point it was we need to get into a situation where everyone no matter where you are can access this incredible product or produce that our british cheesemakers, in particular are, are making um, and online was the only really way real way to achieve that now when we started this in 2017 online was not it was very very kind of um back of the room quiet no one really did online because of mm. the reason you mentioned Jenny which is that one of the great things about cheese is walking to a cheese shop and the smells and the sights and and that sort of sensory experience which we can't get so we had to work extra hard to build that on our website and and at the start it was a bit you know it started slowly because we're, we're sort of working against the tide or we're doing something quite new and quite different but then clearly the pandemic came and we'd spent two years building to this point where we were ready for that and we were ready for people to For once rather than us going out and searching for customers customers were coming to us and i think the key thing was they realized that a you can get great cheese online b it arrives in perfect condition um and c it's pretty convenient and i think Mm. those are the three things that people have learned uh, and which we've been able to to show people are, are the case and now we've got people that can eat great cheese anywhere you know you can be in the middle of nowhere and every month you get a box of five artisan cheeses delivered to you. And it's just wonderful. The For me, the best thing about it is when we get that feedback from a customer who said, you know, we never, we, we could never have accessed cheese like this. And now we have a family get together once a month where we all sit down and we try the cheeses and rate them and score them. Um, and, you know, it's just a really nice family experience once a month that we, we have. And we have that from many people. So I think that's that's kind of the ambition from the start. And that's where we're at. Now and That's you know, mean, yes. on that journey.
4: Well, as you say, you know, absolutely on, you know, the rise of online shopping in, in lockdowns. And, and of course, a lot of cheesemongers, you know, they then did go not followed suit in a way and set up, you know, online um, mm. sort of shops. Uh, and they're so cheesemakers themselves, haven't they? I mean, they have. So it's a, I mean, it's, which is, and it is really exciting because you're absolutely right, Edward, that, you know, one thing that struck me, I wrote a book called Great British Chees, and I was been sent, I was lucky enough to be sent over 300 cheeses from around Britain. And and the amazing thing is that there were cheeses wow. that I, of course, I'd never even come across because actually, you know, yeah. if it was, uh, you know, yes, I can get Isle of Mull cheddar, you know, in London, but there were lots of other Scottish mm-hmm. cheeses that never came down to London. They were just sold much, you know, much closer to home, much more locally. And yeah. so it was this whole, you know, and even, you know, cheeses down from the Southwest. So it was this incredible realisation. There was this world of cheese out there that I was because I was writing this book, you know, I was being sent these samples, but it, it just wouldn't have been available. And of course, that's what online does is it makes this extraordinary range available. Well, how do you tell me your criteria? Exactly. So what do you stock? What are the, so <laughs> you know, how do you choose the cheeses that you're selling online then? Because you could sell everything um, in a
8: way, couldn't you? We yeah. could, we could, we could sell everything. Um, that's a very good question. To be honest, we, we sit down as a team. Um, so initially it was just me, really. But now the team's bigger, so we sit down as a team regularly, um, and we're all constantly—you know—all of us have this kind of—I uh, I use the word responsibility here—to taste cheese. I mean, it's a tough responsibility. It's harsh, yeah. Yeah, we all—but <laughs> we all—we we all kind of take on the mantle of just keeping our eye out for new cheeses or cheeses that maybe we haven't come across, and so we're just constantly tasting cheeses. But not only do we taste cheese and say, right, that's a lovely cheese, great, we're going to stock it, but we also we think it's really important to understand the cheesemaker, the story behind the cheese, because when we sell cheese to customers, that's what we do. We we don't just send them a piece of cheese. We send them the cheese. We send them information about the cheesemaker, where it's made, you know, even the cows or, or the sheep or the mm-hmm. goats. Yeah. Um, and, and any story behind that, we even like to offer pairing tips. You know, we like to ask the cheesemaker, what do you, what do you drink or eat with your cheese? Mm-hmm. So, so I think, Great tasting cheese is obviously the first one, but then then beyond that, there's a lot more that we want to fill in um, to really make that connection because I think if we just had come out and sold cheese, well, that's a tricky thing to do because there are a lot of wonderful businesses that sell incredible cheese. What we try and do is go a step further and, and sell the experience and the story and the connection as well. Um, and I think that's where we really try and, and, and stand out. You know, f- for me, I think... The universe of cheeses is only going to get bigger. I was I was judging at the artisan cheese awards a couple of weeks ago, and there were only over six hundred entries of British and Irish cheese, mm. which is just extraordinary. And, and I think what I always think to myself is, uh, we we've got a we've got a we've got a big job to do because you know there are probably over a thousand varieties of cheese now in the UK, and and clearly not all of them are small scale or artisan, but but many of them, the majority of them, are. But if you were to ask the average person, you know, on the street who, who does actually love cheese, you say, do you love cheese? Yeah, I love cheese. How many cheeses can you name that are from the UK and Ireland? They'll probably name eight or nine, you know, mm. 10 at a push, which is, you know, one percent ish. So, so I think that's really what we're trying to work on. We're trying to see how can we get people more knowledgeable or, or just aware, actually. Knowledgeable's is the wrong word because, you know, it, it, aware of what's going on is kind of a huge part of what we're trying to achieve but yes
4: and so how do you share that knowledge i mean is, you're right it's part of, i mean and social media obviously does allow is a, is a wonderful way of engaging with people mm. I, you know it is social media so is that a, is that a big bit of your of yeah. your business yeah <clears throat>
8: yeah i think social media is a, is a big part of it and i think what we try and do with the way we come across so whether it's our website or our tone of voice um or our social media channels or when I'm doing events um, for, for for private clients or for corporates, um, we always have a very, very clean, um, precise way that we want to come across. Because I think for a lot of people, they, they love cheese, they're desperate to get into it, even though they might not even know it yet. But it can be quite daunting. You know, it's like wine, there's not only a lot going on and a lot to try and learn. I mean, I'm still learning um, all the time. But it can, be, it's, it can be quite traditional. Um, and so I think some people just aren't sure how to get into it. So we mm-hmm. try and portray this um, sort of really, really easygoing, uh, relaxed uh, persona so that people go, yeah, you know, do you know what? Uh, cheese geek, you know, that's probably a good place to start. Um, mm. You know, it's. It, it, I think so accessibility it's sort of fun so in a important. way. Yes, yeah. And making
4: it fun and engaging. Yeah, very interesting. It's, yeah. So that's a that's the sort of way that takes out all the pain of trying to decide. Well, it, it be pain or fun, depending on what you're, of you are trying to put together <laughs> cheese. Yeah. So I yeah. suppose in a way, you know, what you're doing is you're bringing. Obviously, I, if I was a cheese geek customer, I could go online and, and pick my own cheese. But I've got the option. these if I was short of time or for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can. So you must have fun putting those cheese boxes together because oh, I they've great. got different moods. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. You
8: it's great. Yes. It's, it's, it's the best part of my job. And because of the scale we're at now, we've we've built some amazing software that uses a whole, you know, probably 20 to 30 parameters to decide who gets what, cheese when. But all of those parameters were basically me realizing in the early days that I can't just keep doing this myself, like customer by customer, because that's what I used to do. So I used to say, right, we've got these five customers this week. Um, what are we gonna give them? And I'd think about right, what's seasonal and what, what have I been tasting this week that's been really good? And I'd take probably an hour on each customer and <laughs> um and I realised quite quickly that if I wanted this to really expand and, and go nationwide, I'd I'd need to create uh, a sort of algorithm that could do do what I'm doing. an automated way so so that's what's enabled us to scale but having said that we still have many customers that come in and say you know you know it's my 40th and i've got six six um six nights in this in this country estate and we've got six dinners and i need six cheeses and i can we work Mm. to some themes and so then obviously we i put it together myself and it's just it's just such it's so much fun because um you know that you can work to almost any theme there's that many cheeses whether it's. You know, just cheeses from Sussex, or whether it's just raw milk cheese, or um cheeses with history, or modern cheeses. You know, there's there's yeah. so much that you, you can get excited about. But yeah, for our subscribers, it's it's all kind of automated now. But it's still how I, it's just doing what I did in the early stages, um but but kind of instantaneously,
4: uh, effectively. Mm, fascinating, and, and so obviously. So your business, I'm guessing, got a big boost last, last year in, in the lockdown. Would that be right?
8: Yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty much overnight, actually. Um, I think the, the the key thing was when uh, supermarkets started streamlining what they were offering. Mm. Uh, so they were only really offering some very sort of a, a very small selection of cheeses. But on top of that, you know, people were worried about I can't get a delivery slot or that kind of thing. So yes. the customer journey that we we tend to see is... People will come and buy for a gift for someone, or they'll or they'll get a subscription with curate. You know, well, it's like, oh, I'm not sure. I'll let you curate it, and I'll start learning about cheeses. People can store their cheeses in their app, and you know, rate them and all that kind of thing. And then what happens is they get more confidence, and they start coming and ordering individual cheeses. So they can't. They start coming and saying, oh, you know, now I know which cheddar I like. Mm. They come and start ordering Havard, or they come and start ordering Baron Bygod. Um, and you can see when they have dinner parties or events they've now built a knowledge of cheese that they like. And, and that again, is just what it's all about for us. It's, it's helping people to discover cheeses and then they can start making their own decisions whenever they, whenever they want to. Um, but I think the other key thing and actually a far more romantic outcome of, of the pandemic than just us having you know more business in the online retailer is we've also seen people are now so much more interested in where does my cheese come from? What is the story behind the cheese? We've seen an increase in interest in that um, over the last 12 months. And I think really for any specialist retailer, that's something that we can really focus on going forward as if we can say any positives. It's it's that we've got an opportunity now. People are, mm. are ready, they're willing, they care where their food comes from, and they're also willing to spend a little bit more for, for a product that's superior in sort of mm-hmm. every way. and And that's a real change for the better that it's up to us to ensure persists. Um, so we do everything we can to try and in- ensure it does.
4: Well, I mean, I'm really, I'm very inspired by that. And I think you're right. I think the, you know, the food shortages, the way people discovered local shops, it was a sort of shift, you know, uh, you know, food, that fundamental thing that we need that we had absolutely taken for granted. And suddenly it wasn't, you know, for whatever reasons, perhaps you weren't going out, perhaps it wasn't there in the shops, you couldn't get a supermarket mm. slot. It made people really think about it, I think. And yes, and this, that's, you know, for me, it's something I've always championed, you know, uh, food shops, wonderful food shops and and of course when you know when i started writing about them they you know i'm i'm pre-digital and it would say it was like yeah. there were real <laughs> shops but you know but the point is your point you're making about you know getting wonderful getting these great cheeses made by wonderful cheesemakers two people and people yeah. actually wanting to buy them is, is a wonderful thing. So, brilliant. Edward, listen, that was really inspiring. Thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us. It was a joy to have you on the show.
8: No problem at all. Gosh, time flies, doesn't it, when you're having fun talking about cheese. Um, <laughs> I know. We could talk for hours, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Hopefully um,
4: another day. All right. Thank yeah. you, Edward. Thank you so much. Take Jamie. care then. Cheers. Bye.
8: Thanks. Bye.
3: To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
4: Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you found this podcast. It would make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.